to the latest episode in our Red Talks podcast series. This week, we're really excited to be chatting with Wendy McDougall, Chief Fish of Glasgow-based Firefish Software. Wendy's been making waves, winning awards, and influencing the recruitment and technology space for almost two decades now. Hi, Wendy. How are you? I am very well and very excited to be on your podcast. Thanks for inviting me. No problem at all. Thanks so much for coming on. Yeah, it's lovely to meet you virtually as well. So thanks for joining us. No, I'm scared of you because you're Jen. Remind me, Zed. <laughs> I am, I am, but nothing to be scared of. And I know that you have a multi-generational workforce yourself, which we'll touch on later. So nothing to fear there. So so obviously, Wendy, we go back a while. We went back in 2017 at the beginning of my kind of journey as a recruitment business owner. I just started running Red and we were obviously looking to upgrade our CRM system. I was really impressed with obviously you, the products, and in particular, the kind of branding and culture around your business as it really kind of aligned and resonated with what we're trying to do at Red. And we've been following that growth story, you know, really closely since. And it's really great watching you guys go um, from strength to strength. So, you know, that's really good. Well, I guess what I want to know is off the bat is what's your secret? (laughs) (laughs) Oh, gosh. Well, I mean, thank you for the compliment. And it's been absolutely a pleasure supporting um, your business as well, because um, I think we were just saying before we started there, you know, obviously our colors are aligned, but, you know, I'm, I'm in real all of how you're driving your business as well. So well done. Um, what's my secret? <laughs> I don't think any entrepreneur really has a secret. I think we can probably start there. I think um, if we maybe align that to what's the motivation and drive, yeah. I suppose that's what I think all entrepreneurs um, sort of run with. Um, oh gosh, I, I think I think it probably just drives down that I, I just have this great desire to be the best at anything I do. So I think that's my under you know that that's really the foundation of of keep driving me forward yeah no brilliant thank you and and i also want to just touch quickly on as well um uh, we were listening to and talking earlier about the your other podcast with um christina robinson from green umbrella and that was kind of during covid um and i'm interested in just to you know that kind of that period of time obviously was tough bit of a roller coaster and i think when i was listening to that i was thinking okay I wonder if you listen to that kind of now, what your thoughts would be in terms of what we thought was going to happen with the recruitment kind of world back at the beginning of COVID, you know, 2020, um, lots going on. And you did your kind of getting back into the fight um, program, which was great. And I'm quite interested to hear your thoughts on, you know, looking back over that period, clearly now the recruitment world is in a different place to where we thought it was going to be. Um, and obviously there's some other kind of headwind, headwinds coming down the line, but the past two years have actually been pretty good for most recruitment businesses, bar that initial kind of few months where it was a struggle. So just looking back over that period, how has it been for you guys? Um, and also specifically that getting back in the fight program, are those people still doing their own thing or have most of those then go back, gone back into the you know wider recruitment companies? Yeah, lots of questions there, which is great. And you know, you're right. The last, the last two three years now have just been a roller coaster for recruiters, haven't they? And and obviously, we serve that wonderful industry. So, um, I, I think ultimately, our industry is you know whatever anything happens to the recruiter sector, you know we're the first to feel it. Yeah. So you know the first thing is um, uh, you know the impact hits hard, but the best thing about I I'm always describing it a wee bit like a diet because when you try and lose weight, you know you have to sort of recline recline backwards, but then you end up putting on more, more weight so all, all that happens there is that 
you know, there's a blip, but the recruiters always come out fighting and they come stronger. And if you look at, you know, this year, you know, I'm delighted to see, um, you know, all our customers doing so well, you know, and, you know, the first two quarters, I think this year have just been amazing for the industry. Yeah. So, you know, we, we obviously feed off that as well. And, um, you know, if our success is due to your success or our customer's success. So, you know, we've had, a we, we have had a, you know, really good, um, you know, last, well, we've continued to grow. Um, you know, we're growing, we've been growing 30% year on year. Mm-hmm. And in, even in that year of the pandemic, it was just under 10%, which for us, you know, when we went into the pandemic, I knew from running my own recruitment agency in the past as well, you know, most of the recruitment agencies would drop a third. And that was exactly yeah. what happened. You know, we were monitoring it. And when I say drop a third, that's a third of their recruiters, their users. And, you know, I had, I, we were monitoring it every week in terms of the user. So we were absolutely um, uh, right on a line with that. Now, fortunately, the furlough scheme allowed everybody to, um, you know, put these, uh, the recruiters, some of the recruiters on furlough, but, you know, a lot of recruiters, it's a service-based industry, you know, it's, um, they, they need the money to come in to pay for that, in, you know, for that, uh, that employee. So, you know, unfortunately, a lot of them did have to let these employers going. And I think that's one of the things from your audience's point of view, because I'm, I'm all for the recruitment sectors, you know, Matthew too, is that, you know, we get, a, we get a hard gig, yeah. um, you know, because essentially it's the one industry that I, the majority of the business model that everybody's working on is, um, you know, success only. So, you know, we're based on that ability to actually place a candidate and we have to do so much work or you have to do so much work in order to do that. That's a hard business to run. So when a crisis or a recession or a pandemic now um, hits, you know, it's 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 a really scary prospect for a recruitment agency owner. So, yeah, the, the get back in the fight was great. Um, that was um, just sheer hard work for my employees. Mm. We all came up with that concept of, you know, we understood that a lot of recruiters were going to get made redundant. How could we support them? Because they still got the, the skill set to be able to support their family. They weren't going to be able to get another job out in the marketplace. Last thing we wanted is these highly skilled individuals to be sitting there and feeling that they didn't have anything to do. So if we were able to give them the tools in a very effective way, you know, website, CRM, everything they needed in order to phone, um, you know, through the computer, then they could just get it up and running. If one of those recruiters could fill, you know, one job, even every six to eight, eight weeks, that was enough to feed their family. So that yeah. made us feel good. Yeah. Um, so what happened after that? Well, that certainly kept my business engine going within Farfish. We didn't make any money from it. We weren't, that wasn't the aim. It was just really to keep the business fun, you know, going and to support the industry through it. So that was really important for our brand. Um, but yeah, it, it, I suppose it's, um, you know, it's betting on a few horses, isn't it? Uh, we always knew that coming out of the pandemic, you know, the true entrepreneur is going to have taken that opportunity and seen it's going to be working. And those guys, well, you know, we've got some of them that, uh, you know, started off, we get back in the fight and now got, you know, 10 employees, you know, wow. within that sort of year and a half, which has been awesome to see grow. Um, and I would say two thirds of the other ones that started up have then gone back either in-house and we've seen a lot of recruiters going in-house or they've gone back to another, um, you know, recruitment agency. And actually that's been great for us as well, because they've generally gone back into another recruitment agency and said, by the way, these guys at Barfish were brilliant. Yeah. So, you know, we've ended up sort of going in and benefiting from that as well. So, you know, my motto in life is what goes around comes about, comes around. And I think that was, and I know you shared that as well, Matthew. So, yeah. and I think that's, you know, we did something good and if we can get some benefits from it um, with that good intention, then great. Definitely. No, that, that's a really, really good initiative. Um, 
Great. And I know, obviously, to, you've just met Megan earlier on. And, you know, I think you've been quite inspired by kind of five has just joined the obviously joined red but just you started using the system and, and engaging with you guys as a business as well and i think you've been quite inspired too haven't you megan I have, yeah. So obviously, um, I've recently been introduced to Firefish and, you know, for someone fresh out of uni and just entering the workplace, kind of, um, what I really love about it is just how easy it is. So like um, when you're learning lots of new systems as well, like that's just fantastic. So one of your kind of selling points on your website, I saw is that it brings all of your recruitment activities together under the one roof, ensuring that you can kind of manage it all in the one place. Um which, you know, people probably read that and think, OK, that's good, but nothing, you know, groundbreaking. But I don't think that you can really, um, really should underestimate just how much easier, easier that makes the life of a recruiter, because it, it really does make it a lot easier. Um, and so obviously at Red through Firefish, we're able to manage our recruitment, our marketing, the website um, analytics. Um, and in my role in particular, like, you know, marketing, recruitment, admin, I'm using all of those tools on a daily basis. So it really just facilitates that entire process for me. Um so when Matt kind of said that today I was going to be meeting the chief fish, it was quite exciting <laughs> for me. Um, and I suppose as well, it's exciting because in your shawl, I'd be like a goldfish. Like <laughs> I'm, I'm very junior, fresh out of uni, um, but yet I'm getting to interview such kind of well-established business people like yourself. Um, and I think that the main reason that I've kind of been given that opportunity um, to co-host this podcast with Matt is because of the way that Matt chooses to run his business. Um, so he really kind of recognizes the potential in anyone and will give us the tools to kind of be our best self. Um, and I know that Matt mentioned briefly about like the values at Red really aligning with your values. Um, so I just wanted to kind of ask you a bit about your workforce. Obviously, you run a multi-generational workforce. How does that work for you? Have you, you know, faced challenges, had to adapt because of that? Like, and how has it benefited your workforce as well and just Firefish in general? Yeah, well, uh, listen, thanks very much for that. That makes me that makes me really proud listening no. <laughs> to what you're saying, because that's what we strive for, which is great. Mm. Um, but, you know, you're right. Again, another thing about the recruitment sector and the recruitment industries, I went and I was lucky enough to go into that years and years ago. Mm. Um, and you've just entered, Megan, an industry that really doesn't and shouldn't have any boundaries for you to have to go and wait to something to happen for you to get a promotion. It's based on your ability and your talent and that's the way I feel idealistic you know that we should be able to you know strive no matter what sex gender you know um backgrounds you know it's just based on talent and that's the thing I love about the sector and and I think you know that's really what's driven you know our recruitment is that I um, I'm very strong in um, developing people within mm -hmm. that's you know a very um that's probably what gives me my satisfaction um, in in running and building Farfish. Um, so, you know, allowing that to happen, you, you know, talent shines through. Mm. Don't get me wrong, there's challenges with that because, um, you know, some of the individuals think that they want the freedom to do what they want to do. And then, you know, they, they've got all the ideas that they want to come in. But actually, some individuals when they're faced with that um realize and and this is perfectly okay but they realize that actually they quite like to get told what to do mm -hmm. um and and that's quite a sort of shock for them so in the earlier days when we were growing um you know we've been our recruitment process is is, is quite good and really stressing that mm -hmm. because a lot of people see firefish they see this lovely environment they see the lovely hub and they think it's all cool and ah oh, must work there it looks like an amazing place to work and don't get me wrong 
hopefully that's correct, but it's not (laughs) for everybody, you know? So, and, and sometimes when you haven't had experience of working in lots of different types of environments, you don't quite know which one you're going to thrive in. Um, so we did recruit for about a year of our sort of bigger growth back in the earlier days for, you know, I think we were doubling our workforce initially. You know, we made a, you know, as, as a as a recruiter, you know, I think Matthew understands sometimes we're not the best at recruiting for ourselves. <laughs> and, and you know, we we got a we got it completely wrong for a year because we were recruiting, we were recruiting people that wanted that or they thought they wanted it, but they didn't understand the accountability that we put in that individual mm. and the um the freedom that that um, gives somebody, but you know, everything has is that you know that negatives because if they're if they're not if they want you know every morning they've got to self motivate themselves as well you know they've got to come in and think right what am I going to do today what am I going to you know there's no pressure as well there's nobody sort of saying what have you done today yeah. but at the end of the week it's like great what did you achieve yeah and that can be quite stressful if you're not of that sort of. Um, personality that's going to be driven in that way so I think there's definitely that's a cultural thing um, and that's really what's driven the sort of fundamentals now that really doesn't matter if you're you know whatever gen you are you know if you have that sort of mindset and I believe still that there is that mindset throughout all the generations but it's just understanding that mindset and what mindset fits into that culture Mm. so you're absolutely correct we have you know a very diverse workforce. We have people, I mean, I've got one employee right now going back to, she's just had a baby. She returned to, um, she returned, she's just actually turned 10 with us. So she'd been with us for 10 years. She came over from Macedonia, uh, walked into her office 10 years ago with very little um, English, but I just knew that she was going to be brilliant. She's now coming up to our associate director of product, you know, which is very unusual having a female in that role. Um, She's just come back from four months off maternity and she went over and took her baby over to Macedonia back to see her family because because of COVID hasn't seen them in years, but is able to then, you know, work out there as well, because mm. essentially, you know, they're able now to work anywhere they want. They can see their family. They can then, but her work is no difference to sitting down the road or in the office, you know? So, so that's the sort of benefit we've got people over and, you know, that go home to Spain. We've got one employee that's going to be going over, you know, his father um, is getting him an age that, you know, he wants to go and spend, you know, three months over um, in Pakistan and be able to take him to, you know, the uh, religious ceremony that he goes to every, every morning and just do that because he's getting to that sort of age that, you know, there might not be many years to be able to do that, but he'll still be working over there. And I think that's awesome, isn't it? Yeah. That's amazing. You know, that. and that's a very different, that challenges yeah. a lot of people's thoughts about work. Mm. But as long as the output and the trust is there in that culture and you recruit the right people, I think that's the way to go forward. Yeah. I think yeah. if you look at the kind of previous generations kind of before, you know, me, for example, whatever it is, boomers or whatever they are and you know before that when you look at maybe their attitudes to it and you can see kind of like our parents kind of going what on earth these people are kind of working from home constantly or you know (laughs) taking all this time out you know doing any work kind of thing but you know and you kind of have those conversations with with that that kind of generation but certainly you know now it's it's just the norm and that's only in the course of what 20 odd years that that those attitudes have changed 
Oh my gosh. I mean, the conversations I have with my dad, yeah. um, honestly, right. Cause he is, you know, he's second generation family business and he sold it when I was in my teens. Yeah. Um, and every time we've sort of re-evolved our office environment, you know, now it's the hub that's cultural. I mean, he walks, <laughs> he walks in and goes, wait, I just had to pay them money. <laughs> what are you providing all of these guys because you know, now we've got a bar yeah. <laughs> you know now it, and we've got all, you know all the other sort of things and you know we don't have desks in our hub as well and he's just very <laughs> confused no, no, exactly i know definitely my kind of father-in-law my, my, my mom and dad as well they're kind of very confused when you talk about giving people this flexibility mm. and you know working from home during kind of lockdown and things like that it's like what can't they just come into the office you're like yeah. no we're yes. actually being forced to work from home but still aren't they key workers um mm. but yeah no so no it's very very interesting um and and thanks for that i think as you know we kind of on this podcast, what we're trying to do is really kind of get kind of an understanding of people like yourself, very successful people in the industry, um, go kind of back to the beginning and work out kind of what kind of makes you tick, kind of how you got to where you are and that kind of journey. Um, and in particular, kind of how your, you know, upbringing informed your career. And obviously you've mentioned there about kind of family business and that kind of thing, but obviously you clearly haven't gone into the, you know, didn't go into the family business, but you obviously got that entrepreneurial kind of spirit. So, you know, what were you like as a kid? Were you quite driven? You know, how has that, that upbringing informed your career? Yeah, I was very annoying, I think. <laughs> um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, so, I mean, I think my father is a, a big influence on that. Um, obviously, understanding how hard he worked and running the family business that he took over. So I mean, his business is uh, Ultimate to Go Lifts Limited, which was then taken over by Coney. So yeah. most people will know Otis and Coney are the yeah. largest um, escalator and um, stairs that go up and down mm-hmm. and lifts <laughs> <laughs> uh, business. Um, so, you know, really successful. And he did, he, he did all the Canary Wharf and so it was Scotland based and then right down. So really successful family business there. Um, and, and I think uh, it's really interesting dynamic between my father and I, because um, I'm the eldest child. I've got two sisters, as you know. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think I think this is probably something that a lot of family businesses will relate to. Um, and I think you either uh, understand that that family business is one that you're wanting to pass on from generation to generation. Um, or it's one that, you know, I think my father almost was straight in at 16 felt almost a, a great responsibility in his shoulder, but it was one that he didn't want to put onto his girls. Mm-hmm. So um, the last thing he actually wanted me to do was run my own business. <laughs> he felt that he'd done the hard work, but yeah. he knew underneath that um, from an early age, all I was going to do was run my own business. Yeah. Um, so as a child, I was, um, you know, doing all sorts of wonderful and sort of creative things to earn money and mm. um and sort of to start marketing on sort of wee ventures etc as well mm. so um you know that was deep rooted and i think after my you know fifth uh, business plan because <laughs> uh, he, he just basically kept saying like go and get the experience first and i think he was always hoping it would just like you know i'd get into a good job and mm. and don't get me wrong i i did um you know i I fell into recruitment as most people do, but this wonderful industry that had no barriers, you know, with, I was working, you know, I, I almost can't believe it, but I was, I ended up working for what I think was the best recruitment company in Scotland, Melville Craig mm-hmm. and getting my training there. And I was, you know, brought on to, um, you know, start up a, a Glasgow IT contracts recruitment section. And, you know, within a year with 250 employees, you know, I was their top biller. Mm. Wow. So I was earning like a ridiculous amount of money at 25. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, 
dad used to pick me up still um because he was you know he was coming through town anyway so he's like mm. i'll pick you up anyway which was great you know being at that age yeah. you kind of want your parents to you know pick you up and take you home yeah. which is lovely um so you know and, and he used to he used to make me he was worried about the amount of money i was actually earning at that point <laughs> <laughs> because it was obviously far more than him <laughs> and he he was just like i can't believe that this is happening so every time you know he, he was then going right you've got to save you've got to make for your future you've got to think about your future you know and of course we are a wee bit more like live for the moment let's enjoy it a wee bit but eventually I got so fed up with him that I had a savings account and I still put my home my parents home address so that every time I put money in a savings account they would get that envelope so he would come in (laughs) with my mail and I said right dad see when you get this you know I've put some money away and I was like right okay (laughs) you know so it's been quite an interesting dynamic there Um, and I think then eventually after I got I proved him that I was pretty good at being a recruiter I looked looked at different ventures and different areas. I was trying to strive. It wasn't ever about, um, you know, will I go out on my own? It was going to be what I was going to do. Mm. Um, and I think then eventually as, as my fifth business plan was sort of presented to him and it was to run my own recruitment company yeah. at that point, he said, right. Okay. And oh my gosh, you know, excuse the language, <laughs> but I shat myself at that point. I was like, oh, yeah. okay. We're actually going to do yeah. it. This is happening. Um, yeah. And and that was the start. You know, I'd done an awful lot of sort of very entrepreneurial stuff before, but that was the real start of mm. okay, back room, you know, back bedroom, yeah, first yeah. employee in the back bedroom and starting it from there. And you know, we were able to earn over, you know, I think it was a million and a half from the first year of right out the back bedroom with one employee, yeah, um, of turnover. So, um, you know, it was it was all right. And um, you know, he he supported that first year. He came in and did all the accounts mm. and everything else. So he was the sort of back office to the business That's and let support. me go out and do that, which was awesome. Yeah. That's um, so yeah, so that that was a kind of like the drive, I suppose, and and you know, the start to my yeah. first business. Mm. And, and you said. Interesting. So I'm going to take it back a little bit to, you You know, you fell into recruitment. So many people kind of say, you know, they fall into recruitment. It wasn't part of the master plan. They weren't at uni or business school or whatever going, right, I'm going to be a recruiter. So that little bit before, you know, when you finished your kind of studies and then you, you went into the recruitment business um, as an employee. And how did, how did that happen? You know, how did you kind of fall into recruitment? Did, did, you, have, into did you have other plans? Mm. And then you thought, okay, well, actually, I'm going to take this opportunity because it's here. Or how did that, that bit work? Yeah, so I actually, well, um, a couple of things. I got forced, um, much to my dislike, to be the only girl that took IT um, at school. (laughs) So I had to go and, uh, according to my father, go, that was the future. So I was going to be doing IT. Um, Fortunately, that involved a lot of very clever boys that were quite happy I was in their IT department or their (laughs) class. So they did a lot of my work for me. (laughs) I still thank them today. Um, so we got through that. So I had my hair, but I, my love was sport. Um, and, uh, so I went and studied sports management. My first job, um, out of that was working for, um, a sports management travel company. So it was rugby travel. Mm. So I organized all the rugby and hockey tours around the world. Brilliant. Got to travel as well. Um, they didn't have a system. Um, so it was all paper based and that just did my head in. So I went and bought my first lap. I bought them and they didn't support a laptop or anything like that. Now, one of the things that's also quite pertinent is I'm very dyslexic. 
So I was fully exposed in my first job there um, because I couldn't I couldn't write things that anybody would understand. Mm. So it was a selfish thing, but I thought, right, I've got to save up, get my first laptop and I'll take it in. Yeah. And then I decided just to build a database for all their whole system. Um, so <laughs> I just decided to do that. How old were you? Well, it was, to be honest, it was the only way I could do that mm. because it was the only way I could operate. Yeah. I, I suppose, you know, I think I was, I came out of uni, well, I would be... 21 I think at that point mm. yeah because I was younger my age so yeah at that point 20, 21 22 or something that I was working so interesting I did a couple of years there did really well um and then I wasn't I just I, I needed to be back in Scotland so moved back to Scotland so at that point I started to apply for and I got into a postgraduate to do tech mm-hmm. um and uh, I also saw this advert just sort of you know from uh doesn't entry into IT jobs no training needed yeah. just come and mm-hmm. talk to me and this was Mabel Craig mm-hmm. so it was a big advert so I applied into it and um they decided to tell me that, um, although I got into the postgrad, um, that I preferred chatting and talking to people rather than coding. So <laughs> I should become an IT recruiter. So I went along with it. Um, and at the same time, also, when I left that job, I ended up selling them the database back to the owner Brilliant. because they realized uh, that I walked away with it on it. my computer, <laughs> which is also quite amusing. So I made my money from a first system um, to, to the to, uh, to the sports travel business. I'm not sure they really liked that, but uh, it was it was good. So so that, that's really how I fell into it. And then I didn't look back. Yeah. So that was kind of the seed was planted there. And then you kind of onwards and upwards. Um, yeah. And so the obviously then you so you founded your own recruitment business, um, you know, and that group that grew. Uh, so how long? How what was the period of time you were in? Yeah, so it was ten years in total okay. before I, I did a management. I'm a investor led management buyout to right. my first employee, which yeah. I'm super proud. He's still doing well in the in the, in the business, and he's mm. still a client now of Firefish. Um, so that was ten years, but really to be fair, you know, he had started to take over that, um, you know, a few years before because. The recession hit um, uh, through, so it was 2004, just to give some context, um, that we started um, 920 recruitment, mm-hmm. um, or I started 920 recruitment. And um, I, I then, it, essentially, the, the recruitment, or the recession really hit sort of, you know, we had some bumps along the way at that point, but it was um, 2010, that um, 2009, 2010, that really we had this sort of financial crisis on that. So I got really bored. Um, at that point, you know, we shrunk the business down as a recruitment do- a recruitment yeah. company does. You know, we still made good money in terms of, um, you know, the companies that were growing, but the volume wasn't there. So I decided to have my child or, or our child, sorry, not my child. So I decided, <laughs> decided that it would be a good time over Christmas to um, give birth <laughs> to Chloe. Um, it was written into the business plan and quite sad that way. Um, and then I also spun out Firefish. So yeah. I ran both of the businesses then for um you know a, a, a good um four years then and at that four years time Gordon had started really taking over you know 920. Um I, I had to go back into that business to really sort of build it back up again after the recession started to move and just help um help Gordon to do that. Mm-hmm. But then he bought that off in 2014. Okay. And and so you had four years of kind of so Firefish was being built within kind of 920 at that time and then and then you spun out okay yeah and obviously that's clearly as we said gone gone from strength to strength and Mm. clearly marketing um within that has been kind of your kind of usp you've been at the forefront of everything you know from blogs to 
you know podcast everything right right from the beginning so um i know i know megan's quite keen to touch on that in terms of how you do that and and the success around that uh, yeah. So, wow. I just feel like my head's kind of spinning now <laughs> from all of that information. Um, you've obviously led such an interesting life. But what just before I kind of get onto the marketing side of things, I was just wondering, like, how did you find the whole like exiting your previous business? Because I was listening to a podcast the other day and they were talking about how if you start up your own business and you know that one day you're going to exit it, you everything you do, you always have that in mind. So in terms of like, keeping files on everything. It's almost like selling a house. Like you need everything there to back up what you've done. And obviously you sold to kind of your, one of your first employees. So it was an easier process for you, but was there any kind of challenges there? And I mean, just in terms as well of, you know, starting up a new business while still handing that one over, that must've been really intense. Great questions, Megan. Um, so it's interesting. I actually think that's one of the wrong things that everybody gets told to start a business really? just to then go and exit it. Mm. And yeah. I think that's what I was told. I, I mm. wish looking back now, um, and I think this is amongst a lot of, not to stereotype all of you you guys, younger generation, but a, a lot of people are now actually, you know, starting lifestyle businesses as we would term them. Yeah. And, you, you know, I'm sure a lot of people are either freelancing on this or doing that, et cetera. Now they're not thinking about an exit plan. They're just thinking about now and in the moment. Moment. And actually, I wish that um, I had probably looked at 920 much more as a really good lifestyle business. And I, I wish I had actually taken and enjoyed more of that business yeah. in that view rather than, you know, constantly being sort of drilled in, you must sell it. Mm -hmm. Because yeah. I'll be quite honest, I, I, I love the branding I did with 920 and everything else. And I loved it a bit, but I ended up feeling very trapped in that business. Mm. And I actually, that was a really hard time in terms of when I want, I saw Firefish and I was so excited about Firefish. That was the type of, you know, tech businesses that business that I wanted to drive. Um, I, I just wanted to move on. Um, yeah. And so that period of time was actually quite difficult for me. It's probably more difficult than anything. Um, so I, I don't I don't think that and I think that's one of the biggest changes for entrepreneurs nowadays is that, you know, you shouldn't. Running a business is not easy. No, Um it's a journey. It's also not get a quick, quick rich. Um, you know, it's really impossible to do that and it shouldn't be. That's why you do it. Mm. And I see a lot of people trying and they're always the ones that fail. Uh -huh. If you're wanting a way of life and you're looking at for different drivers that you have with running your business, um, and you see it as a journey and it's almost like this is the career you've, you've taken and you, the path you've chosen, then, you know, that's good. And that path doesn't have to end with an exit. God, I mean, what would we do, Matthew, yeah. if we end, exited just now? And then what would I do tomorrow? I, know, I think exactly. I'm lost. And I think you you're know? right. I think it is the journey you have. To, you kind of learn to enjoy every day, kind of the, the the new things that come along and and thinking of, okay, what's next? What can we do next? What's, you know, what's next in the, of the business plan? But also planning out that strategy and that is the enjoying part and then the, the, the enjoyable part and then as you say it's the people developing the people throughout that process and exactly. for me, i don't have you know that eye on the exit i'm i'm mm -hmm. basically looking at okay how do i develop this group of talented people um to be the best they can be and kind of enjoy that process along the way Exactly. And it's a really interesting one when you think about entrepreneurial journey across the gens, mm. because yeah. at that time I had to just the exactly the same sort of difficult conversation I had with my father at the start saying, yeah. dad, you're just going to have to get 
you're just going to have to get on the plan um, and get with the plan because <laughs> I'm running my own business. I had to have a very difficult conversation with him to say, I'm wanting to walk away from this business mm-hmm. because ultimately he was in his father's business and his business since he was 16, right up to retirement. Yeah. He didn't ever get that opportunity or chance or think it was anything as an option for him to be able to walk away. And the way that he was looking at it is, Wendy, this business, you're doing exceptionally well. It pays you a huge amount of profit mm-hmm. and dividends. It gives you a great you know, lifestyle. You've built it up to the stage. You just keep going with it. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and where he didn't understand that um, if this was, I remember saying to him, if this was a job and I was that unhappy with it, I would quit my job. Mm-hmm. So I don't want to stay in something that I'm not thriving in. And so he really couldn't understand why I would quit, walk away from all of that to get paid nothing at my next <laughs> business. Yeah. Yeah. You know? Um, but it was just like, I think that's where it's accelerated. That thought process is now accelerated with, you know, Megan, maybe your gen, mm. in that I think, you know, a, a number of different careers, you know, you guys are all living in the moment. Yeah. And, you know, you are, you know, I, I've, you're not afraid to decide, I'm not happy here. I'm going to go and retrain as a teacher or I'm mm. going to go and retrain as something else. And you start, you know, a different career. And I think there's a lot of positives about that. Um, but, you know, I, there, there's also some interesting dynamics. that I wonder how you'll feel in 20 years time, um, yeah. you know, having chopped around uh, and, and what happens at retirement from that mm. perspective. Because I think that was one of the things I had to confirm with my dad that, I was so in belief that Firefish, my next business, was going to be where I would find my, you know, my my real sort of goal and I would build the business I was really happy with, that that would provide me the longevity um, to, to then mm. sort of, you know, retire on. <laughs> yeah. um, and I think that was the deal that I made with him for him to feel OK. Not that it had anything to do with him financially or anything yeah. like that at this one. It was more just a sort of... Um, you know, father and daughter sort of, are you going to be okay by making this decision? So, Mm. and I think as well, like kind of, you know, obviously you mentioned a few different generational perspectives there. um, And that's a big kind of factor in our podcast in general. Um, And I think like kind of, you talked about starting up your own business. It's not easy. It is hard and it doesn't make you money instantly. You know, it can be a slog for quite a few years before you actually really start to kind of reap the benefits there. Um, And I think that that is something that maybe my generation does struggle to understand because obviously we're all very entrepreneurial. um, (laughs) And, you know, like you said, I think you said it in our intro, Matt, we want to run before we can walk. Um, And it is true a lot of the time. And I think that we don't take those factors into account. It's almost just like the glamour of it. um, And we don't think about the really the hard work that goes into it too. Um, So that's kind of interesting. Um, And also in terms of like you said, obviously you had to make that deal with your dad about, right, well, Firefish is the place that I will settle this. Well, you know, I'll leave with a good pension, blah, blah, blah. Not a good, uh, yeah, but... um, and I think that's also something that we don't take into account as much now. And you're right. Like, I think it's great how ambitious my generation are. But at the same time, I do sometimes, like, I still don't really know where my career is going to lead, which is really exciting. But then at the same time, I sometimes do have that moment of sitting back and thinking, oh, my God, what, But you know, in 25 years time, will I, will I be financially stable? Will I be this? Because if I keep chopping and changing, mm. where does that leave me? So it is all of those different dynamics coming into play there. And it was just interesting hearing you kind of, your thought process around that. Um, 
But I suppose getting into marketing as well, um, because that is something that I really wanted to touch upon today with you. Um, obviously, you're talking about how you were so creative as a kid and you were constantly coming up with ways of marketing your small businesses. What what, what, what were some of those businesses when you were a kid? Was it like playing shop? Well, or? Well, no, well there, was, there was a few few things, obviously, like, you know, yeah, random stuff. But the, mm. the, the first one that started me making money was um, I, I lied to uh, <laughs> the, the Pond Hotel and Juries. Oops, about my age, and I ended up taking a job with them. But it was, you mm. know, it was it was, um, it was basically receptionist and life um, guarding, and I got so bored. So I then set up a swim school for them. But that was so great because it meant that I would get paid from my early rate as being the lifeguard, but mm. I would be in the water, <laughs> and I would then be getting a. Uh, uh, money from any, any of their uh, members to then teach them how to swim. So wow. this was ending up thriving and I ended up then <laughs> getting more people this getting taught how to swim than actually. <laughs> so they ended up then having to take me off the shift and there was the negotiation that I wouldn't be getting my shift money, mm. but I would just be coming then because I was doing them a benefit, et cetera, as well. So, um, you know, that that probably started when I was 14. Mm. Um, and, you know, from then I was just, I, I just got the sort of way that I would always be fine. And I think that's different. It's like, it's finding the, nor- I think what some is maybe me is I find the norm but I start to do it different mm. differently in order to maximize money so you know my next one as well was uh when I was through uni I took um you know t- took a part-time job at Jeansters um and everybody laughed at me in terms of this one because essentially I, I decided that the best place in Jeansters was not out front it's actually in the changing rooms uh, because every time somebody came in with jeans I would belt them up with a 10 pound 20 pound belt so every time somebody went in to go and get the pair of jeans they would come back and say I'll just keep the belt I became the top salesperson <laughs> in the whole of jeans because of my added sales because I suddenly took a 20 pound you know jeans yeah. up to 40 pounds so my and it was all registered the one thing I liked about that was it was registered per person so suddenly I was then yay <laughs> so I think that's the differences that you can start to see you know what how can you add value to things so I think it was mm. from a marketing point of view and branding point of view you know there was just different ways then I would get my name out get my message out and different ways then I would coach other people so I, I, from an early day I quite, quite enjoyed that that's fantastic that's just so interesting so many ideas there I absolutely love it um, and just yeah touching on marketing obviously um, you had that passion from a young age and you're, with Firefish we're able to kind of market red a lot easier than we would be able to um, but I want to know more about how you kind of manage your own inbound marketing because I mean you've got some great stuff there you've got the blog your podcast fortnightly crowdcast um, how do you keep this fresh and kind of constantly think of new content yeah, so it's it's been very much embedded into the company. So when I looked mm. at starting Farfish, you know, my competitors were, gosh, they were all global. They were all huge. Yeah. You know, it was a bit of the David and Goliath sort of story there as well. And I realized that, you know, what they did to market was they would spend like 20k to go and turn up at an expo. And that was their marketing an expo being an exhibition and I just couldn't afford that so I had to think about you know we were this company in Scotland as well not in London so we had to think of different ways so I thought right okay we're just going to have to come up with our own content that drives people to us Mm. that will then grow with us at that rate as well so from very early age anybody that was coming into the company was part of my content team and that's how we addressed it so there's a there's a difference between a lot of people just say marketing is the responsibility of the marketeer Mm. 
Whereas I go, no, if you want to join us as part of that culture, you're actually part of the marketing company, the marketing team within here as well. So every single person that's recruited, you know, will would then be doing a blog every week, you know, and they would be contributing to it because that also gave like the salespeople something else to then build a personal branding. So we were doing personal branding a very, I'd like to say before it all got, you know, very sort of you must, you yeah. know, deliver and yeah. create your personal brand. We were kind of doing that anyway. Um, so, so yeah, you know, we do all the different channels we've done. I think my, my, my sort of mantra there is that, you know, try something new for about three months in total for one quarter, put a ring fence around it. And if it doesn't, if it doesn't get any traction, don't do it again. If it's not giving you a return, then, you know, feel quickly, then go again and try something new. Mm. Um, so, you know, yeah, you're right. We've done like the podcast we've done the, when we did those really early, we were, on lots of different technologies to do sort of equivalent of like a crowdcast as well, which is visual and um, audio. Um, you know, the podcasts, they were they were good at the beginning, but, I, you know, very hard to get any form of return there. It was very branding orientated from that perspective. So actually, I preferred then the live crowdcasts yeah. um, from my perspective. Um, yeah. I think podcasts, they come back, though. And I think if you have a different angle, like what you're doing here, um, I think that's great. But there's mm. a lot of like samey stuff out there. So, you know, now you're trying to you're, you're now in a competitive zone rather than the yeah. only one doing it. Um, so, so you know, taking different sort of approaches and just trialing them. Our blog, though, you know, we've now got, we're fortunate that we've been doing that now for like 10 years. You know, we do, we have a bit of a content engine. We've got, you know, two blogs a week, one ebook, which is a download um, gated content a month. As you said, the Crowdcast we've got going, um, or we've got a social engine that's going through at least sort of four, po- you know, four posts a day. Um mm. We've then got our, our, our events and we've got our email campaigning going, but that's taken a while, you know, and that doesn't happen all overnight. No. Um, but it's it's embedded into each and in, in each individual that comes into the business. Mm-hmm. No, that's that's really interesting. And I suppose as well with your blog, because I've kind of taken over quite a lot of the um, blog when I've like when I've joined Red. Obviously, we have Green Umbrella as well, and they're fantastic. So we kind of are balancing it between the two of us now. Um, but I mean, sometimes it's just coming up with the ideas. Like that's the trickiest part, I find. Like actually writing the blog, I love it. But coming up with those ideas initially, like you can be sat there for almost an hour sometimes <laughs> thinking, oh my God, I've got nothing. So, so like, have you, you ever, yeah, have you ever watched the, the program Devil Wears Prime? I I actually haven't watched it. I think yeah. like was it maybe like teeny weeny bit before my time? I'm not sure, but I've heard probably such good things. I probably I, I think I need so, to. So I'm I'm not wanting to say that I'm the devil, although mm. some people might say that. Um, but but I love that concept of um, and that's where I got it in terms of everybody was um, they were all like coming up with ideas for a magazine. So yeah. they had a content meeting and they would be planning out their their themes etc for that magazine, mm. and each person has to come with ideas. So that's exactly what we've done for oh. all these different years. The start of the month, um, our blog um, editor, basically our owner, come drives that meeting. But we all have different themes, so we use our specialisation. That you know, the um, the sales guys talk about mm. sales and recruitment. The recruiters come through from a resourcer point of view. We've got our customer service, and we've got our marketeers driving the content. So it's like what we're used to, but then bringing those ideas. Yeah. Um. We we brainstorm them. We pop them through. 
we we've structured that so that you know we know we have to have x amount of how-tos um a couple of insight and then just for fun and then you plan that around and if you've got an easter theme or you've got a christmas theme you make sure that you've got more just for fun fun rather yeah. than insight ones and you just learn that in terms of each of the months but each person it. is actually responsible at brainstorming and coming to that content meeting and the biggest thing that actually is debated in that content meeting now is who's bringing the biscuits and what flavor of biscuits they <laughs> to then set the creative zones <laughs> I love um, that. and we, that is one thing that we do try and do in the hub as well so we all come together for that so it is sort of much more of a brainstorming feel so I think that's something that if you want to try um, and get those get those recruiters involved mm-hmm. you know because all the ideas can fall on you um, yeah. you need the experience yeah. of the industry um, from everybody in the business yeah. I like that and I mean we, we're big fans of a meeting with biscuits aren't we Matt yes, <laughs> got a meeting plan this afternoon I'm sure that 100%. someone will bring some biscuits along for that um, um, that's really good. And I suppose like as well, I mean, two blogs a week, that's that's impressive. Mm. So um, I think we should definitely, definitely trial that one. Definitely. Um, and in terms of kind of, you know, I was touching there upon how you keep things fresh. Have you ever had some really challenging moments with Firefish where you've felt completely out of your depth or obviously COVID, even in terms of COVID, you still came up with a new initiative there in terms of getting back in the fight where mm-hmm. you basically were, um, ru- you were running that in 2020 for recruiters that had been made redundant and you've touched upon it a bit already, but like that and that whole idea. So have you ever had a point though where you've thought I'm out of ideas here? Not so much about ideas, but there's no. definitely times where you're, um, I, I, I do find like if you can get into the zone that you will always come up with something mm. and as long as you've got good people to bounce things off with you will always drive solutions to mm. problems it's yeah. about identifying the right problems and it's about prioritization of mm. what to focus on that's the biggest challenge within the business but as every entrepreneur understands there are definitely times of great darkness yeah. and everybody has them and I think now I've probably driven through businesses. I mean, I've been running businesses for now over 20 years and I definitely, you know, unfortunately had to drive businesses through at least, you know, three recessions, et cetera, as well. Mm-hmm. Those are very difficult times because you're very aware of all your employees and everybody looks to you. Um, so at that point, it's it's really interesting because in the first time you go through it, you don't quite know what you're doing, but I tell you what, the second and the third time, you have a, a book that just switches on in your brain yeah. and you know exactly what to do. But I have to say probably the hardest time for me was um, COVID, um, like it will be for any of your readers, I'm sure. Um, yeah. We all had challenges there and we all had sort of personal challenges there too. But I remember um, I, um, you know, I had everybody in the aquarium. I got them all together. This was before sort of Boris had made the announcement that we should all go home. Um, and I just felt this is where it was going. So I got everybody together and said, right, look, enjoy today. Um, this is going to be the last time we're going to be together. And then I want you to take anything you want. I'm getting emotional mm. even talking about it. <laughs> you know, take your. So we had everybody taking their chairs back and everything else. Yeah. You know, get yourself seated at home, but we're going to go home after today. So we all had quite an emotional day together. Um, and then we went home. Um, and then we started and everybody was brilliant at, you know, like all organizations of bringing the morale, getting online. Fortunately, we were an online business, so um, that wasn't new to us. So it was a very easy, adapt, you know, we're easy to adapt. We've been, you know, on Zoom for years and teams, et cetera, because we had already got a remote workforce down in London at that point as well. I think the challenge there was the business was doing so well. Mm-hmm. We were absolutely flying. And then suddenly, boom. Yeah. 
Um, and then I, I suppose what a lot of people probably don't know, and I'm okay to talk about it now, is um, you know, that day that suddenly we knew before the furlough that, you know, I had at that point just under 50, I think it was 45 or something employees, and I knew I was gonna have to drive through, you know, a hard time again. Mm-hmm. And at that point it was like, right, you know the recruiters are going to lose a third. That means I'm going to lose a third of my income. You know, what am I going to do with um, with this? And at the same time, uh, unfortunately, which a lot of my employees didn't know at that time as well, um, my husband was getting diagnosed with second stage cancer. So the mix between driving things for your employees and being that strength for your employees Wow. Um, with understanding that personally you've got your 12 year old home and you're going to have to be taking to your husband to radiotherapy every day. Um, you know, that's tough. That's really mm-hmm. tough. Yeah. yeah. So sorry to hear that. Oh, no. The great thing is he's absolutely dandy, absolutely fine. And we got through it. And probably, you know, like any other entrepreneur knows, you don't really understand how strong you are until you're really pushed to your limits. Mm -hmm. Um, So I think that um, the interesting thing for any, and Matthew, you'll understand this, and anybody that's listening to this and they're working for somebody that's running their own company, please take a thought because it's not all glamour. It's really hard and it's really interesting as well, because I think that a lot of people think that you run your own business for that sort of, you know, moral boost or, you know, ego boost or, you know, it's because you're going to get all this money. Gosh, I think running your own business is the most selfless thing you can almost do because you're the last to take any money out. You're the last to take any benefits. You always put everybody through your, you know, through first. And that time I had to listen to everybody no offence, but a lot of your generation <laughs> fall yeah. to pieces. Yeah. <laughs> and I had to pick them up mm. in the background. I'm having to deal with that yeah. and nobody knew. And I think that's one of the things that, um, so if you want sort of, you know, dark time and all that, yeah, that that's mm. that's where I think every entrepreneur just lives at a different stress, stress, yeah. stress levels um, and just pushes their way through. It takes a lot of wow. lot of strength to get through that kind of situation as well. As you say, I mean, what I find in, interesting, and, and I think you know, you were talking about this on one of your previous podcasts, is about being a business owner can be quite lonely, and particularly in that kind of situation, you know, something we've never seen before: a global pandemic, and what's going to happen to the business, what's going to happen to your staff, your personal impact of that, fam, your, your family, obviously the, the situation you had, and but. Also, just the fact that, you know, how if the the worst, you know, if you catastrophize, like some of us might do and go, okay, what's going to happen here? You know, it, it is bad. And you have this responsibility. This As a leader, you have this responsibility to, you know, be strong for everybody and kind of, you know, everything's going to be, we're going to be fine. We're going to get through this. And, and obviously, we, you know, we've come through it and it's been great. But at that time, I remember we did the same, you know, it was a week before we were told to lock. To, you know, to go home. And I just said to the guys the same thing, listen, we're going to, I think now is the time to go. Um, we saw it kind of coming and, and we did the same thing. And you've got a few more people than us to kind of have to have that kind of conversation with and get everyone to take things home. But it was, it was a really tough time. And I think you're absolutely right that it's kind of quite a lonely time. You, you, you know, I guess it moves on to kind of who do you speak to? Have you got mentors? Have you got people that you can, a network that you can tap into when you're at that kind of point where you think, oh my God, this is you know, what's happening here in your personal life and your business life. You know, who have you got a good network around you of kind of mentors? Yeah. And I think it's really important. You know, I, I say that um, 
And because obviously my sports background, you know, you don't think twice about having a PT these days. Mm. So Uh why, you know, why wouldn't you have a personal trainer for your business? Mm. So I'm very lucky. I have, um, I call her my fairy godmother, but um, (laughs) Kai Murray or Kai McCabe, as she was known from the CEO of Search, another, you know, major UK Mm. recruitment company Mm. that Melville Craig actually competed against. She's been very instrumental and she was amazing. So she was really the only one that sort of knew. Um, all of this was happening and she just kicked into action as well. Um, so she was there hundred percent. She knew also not to talk to me um, unless yeah. I wanted to talk to her. Cause that's another big thing. I'm not, you know, a lot of people don't want to go into areas of emotion that, mm. that you're just a logical person that's driving a company forward. Um, but I, when I did need to talk to her, but mainly she just, um, she just kicked in and gave me the support without, offering it um and she actually came much more full-time into the business as well um from an ops point of view and picked up some of the things that I just um you know we, when we were, I don't know if you found this as well but when we went into um you know COVID and the recession there you know a lot of the a lot of the work actually had to be one hand focused on your customer but a lot of it was internally you know you were then making sure the welfare of your employees were okay you had to change the culture element you had to make sure you were communicating and all of that sort of whole structure there's a lot to do yeah. internally so Kai really worked with me on that and took a lot of the burden off so I can't thank her enough and um, she's you know she is one of my investors and chairman still in the company but she was awesome so I think having somebody there that you can talk to and trust is hugely important. Equally as important when you're running your own business that questions you every day as well and keeps you, you know, on the right, um, on the right sort of approach um, and just makes you, you have to be still answerable to somebody. So I think that's also a, a really valid thing. So definitely wouldn't be doing this without uh, a coach. My dad's always there with a bottle of gin for me. <laughs> that's always good. <laughs> Maybe not a bottle, but sometimes his measures are definitely like that. <laughs> um, and, and I suppose I don't, I'll be honest, I, I probably don't talk to too many people. I probably don't talk to enough. Mm. Mm. No, that's interesting as well, because I, I, I don't think you'll mind me saying this, Matt, but Matt and I were just having a discussion, a discussion in the office yesterday because obviously Matt's doing everyone's annual reviews this week. For me, it's like my three month review. But um, <laughs> and, uh, bags packed. <laughs> I've had it already and, you know, I can stop sweating now. It was all it was all OK, I think. But um, no. So it, and obviously, you know, it's great for us to hear that feedback. Um, and you're right. My generation in particular, I think that that's um, it is a bit of a stereotype, but it's, it is also true. Like we do kind of we crave that feedback. I don't know if it's because because we were maybe slightly spoiled growing up um, in terms of things like that. And we crave that kind of feedback and hearing that we're doing okay. Um, and already, like, I I had a slight blip um, maybe a month into this job. Um, and Matt was fantastic. And Stacey, um, like, my manager, she was great too and kind of looked and reassessed my workload and what, you know, um, what I should be prioritising. And I just kind of needed somebody to tell me that. Like, And afterwards, I felt so much better for it. And they were great. But obviously, you know, in your position, you all need that support as well at times. Um, and it must be tricky and it must be lonely and hard to navigate that. So that's well, just... Megan, well done, because you just found one of the things that your, your generation sometimes walk away easily from. But you find a bit of resilience there. And if it's any consolation after the first month in recruitment, I wanted to quit. <laughs> so it's very, very easy. It's, mm. it, no, it's not easy. That's wrong. It's very common mm. that each person goes in and after the little honeymoon of this is great. And then you're kind of like, you're, I always say that the honeymoon lasts the first four weeks and then yeah. your fifth and your sixth week. 
are the ones where like, oh, is this what it's right? Is this yeah. my life? Is this what I'm doing? Oh, I don't think I can do it. Mm. And you get all overwhelmed by all those feelings. Mm. So, you know, having somebody that a good, strong manager to come yeah. down and actually sit with you and help you support it, you, you know, you're going to remember that. And also mm. you've just learned how to keep going. Yeah. <laughs> but I think as well, it's a case of like, I'd always been spoon fed, like, you know, <laughs> school, university, you always have mentors, you have teachers. Um, and I came into like, I joined Red and Matt and Stacey were both fantastic. And I think it was, I had this blip um, basically when the training kind of stopped. So Stacey had been sat with me most days. We've been doing a lot of training. I was totally new to the world of recruitment. I was totally new to a workplace. Um, and it's when that stopped and I was kind of given, you know, I had my own autonomy and I, I had to figure things out for myself and prioritize my own workload that I was suddenly like, oh, how do I do this? So that's mm-hmm. when I hit that point. And like I said, Matt was great. Um, and things common. are going a lot more smoothly now. So I'm glad that we had that chat. But um, I suppose as well, I just wanted to touch there upon, you were talking about your mentor and you've got a female mentor. Um, And I wanted to kind of think a bit about kind of being a female entrepreneur. Like Mm -hmm. obviously um, there's a lot of um, females within the world of recruitment, um, quite high up within the world of recruitment, but then you're kind of balancing, you know, recruitment and tech. So there's two very different industries there. And I would say, in general, tech is probably more male dominated, especially in terms of, you know, like business owners and leaders and people in more management positions. Um, so have you ever faced any obstacles there? Have you ever? I yeah, I'm probably the worst pinup for a female entrepreneur. <laughs> I know I should be better and I'm trying to be a lot better with that mm. um, because I'm just that sort of bougie still person that mm. just knocks down any barriers. And you're absolutely yeah. right. Um, in That's terms a great way of- to be, though. It is. Yes and yeah. no, because it means means that I really haven't understood and I haven't shown enough empathy for a lot of the actual genuine barriers that a mm. lot of female entrepreneurs do feel. And I totally get that. And it's definitely something that, you know, um, I'm understanding much more. There are people that are hugely talented that could be running brilliant businesses and they just haven't. Mm. But in saying that, I could be very critical of my, myself as well, is that that bullshit determination has meant that I've bootstrapped every single business. You know, I haven't mm-hmm. gone for investments. Yeah. I haven't gone and taken that step. And actually, if I'm really in self-reflection, I found that harder journey for most probably easier for me because I've maybe felt intimidated mm-hmm. by that world of investment. And I know that's your background, Matthew. So you'll be, you know, quite familiar with the differences between females coming for investment and stuff mm-hmm. as well. So yeah. I think there's it's pros and cons. Mm-hmm. Um, I think in the tech sector, you know, you are definitely in a minority. Um, mm-hmm. But just like I... Um, had some benefits of being a minority for my IT hire um, computing studies course. You know, that's probably the way <laughs> yeah. I like it. I like to be different. Mm. So. Mm. Good. No, no, I mean, yeah, you've obviously bro- broken kind of a lot of barriers down there. And I think that, um, yeah, it's really great to see you, see you doing that. And then I suppose I'm conscious of time as well. I want to just, I know, you, I know you're very busy, oh. um, but just in terms of, you know, what's next for um, you you and kind of Firefish, can you talk a bit about that around plans? Yeah, of course. So we're we're really excited right now because actually there's been a lot of consolidation in our marketplace, um, which is which is really good <laughs> because that means that it's lots of space for us and we're at the right stage where we're really sort of starting to motor. Um, you know, in my marketplace, there is um there's really a lack of companies uh providing my service in terms of recruitment software in that one to one hundred entrepreneurially led uh, recruitment company. Mm-hmm. So that makes us really good really? and in a yeah. great sweet spot. So I'm excited about the future of that. Mm. Um, We're 
you know, we've really got a great structure. I think actually, ironically, COVID has been the best thing for my business in terms of the structure we've been able to place and the scale that we've been able to do product development and get new features out. I mean, you'll see that we do a new release every week and new features are hitting every single week for our customers. And I think that's awesome. And not many companies actually achieve that. So seeing how that, seeing the development over, you know, since we've had when you, you exactly it's just yeah, yeah. amazing it's really, really so really lots developed. more yep. um you know you'll be seeing lots more megan web functionality coming mm. through conversions from the web that's our mm-hmm. great that's our ethos mm-hmm. we're mm-hmm. developing more and more around that ethos um as well so excited about that and mm. um, i think the the main sort of strategic goal for me is um that you know i've got a great um actual team now behind me Um, within sort of different layers and succession team there. So I really want to, um, you know, we've let a, we've let a man on our board. Um, We have, (laughs) we have one out of three, (laughs) but I have, I have another couple, you know, of associate directors. So we're really looking at expanding Mm. that sort of, you know, succession. So I think the challenge, I think there's lots of challenges. There's lots of stuff we've got to do. I'm never going to be settling, but I think I'm really excited about where the company is progressing, the opportunities in front of us. Mm -hmm. Um, And uh, I just want to do this faster. I mean, I must be <laughs> terrible. I mean, these people that like Natasha that has been working with for 10 years, my co-founder, Andrew, that has now worked with me for what, about 16? I mean, he's never unfortunately worked for anybody else because I recruited him as a graduate in my first oh. you know, job. So bless him. But, you know, and, and and I must be, I must be a real pain in the ass to work for because I'm just constantly driving forward. Um, and, and, you know, I think that's what, you know, sometimes it can be really tiring, but, you know, mm. you've just got to have somebody that keeps going, keeps going. And I think there's a great opportunity for Firefish. Great. Yeah. Um, and lastly, what one piece of advice would you give to, obviously you've, you know, you worked in recruitment yourself for 20 odd years, you ran your own recruitment business. What one piece of advice would you give someone to like, so give to someone like myself, just entering the world of recruitment? One piece of advice. Sorry if I put you on the spot. <laughs> no, not at all. There's just so many, so many. things. But I, mm. I think, I think ultimately enjoy the highs Mm. because there's less highs than lows. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah. So you've got to enjoy and, and, and really celebrate that success mm. and learn to ride the lows. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yep. I think that's I a great that. piece of advice. <laughs> um, and I guess that just quickly relates back to something that you were saying a lot earlier about um, measuring your success in recruitment. And I think that that's something that I found quite tricky because you can you can make, you know, 10 recruiter calls a day and not send over a single CV sometimes. And that is tricky. So I completely agree and understand where you're coming from there. Definitely. Every Thanks. call with a client is a win. Yeah, true. Mm. <laughs> and, we, and we like to celebrate our successes. We do. Bit. So yeah, absolutely. Yeah. We make the most of that. We do. <laughs> Brilliant. I um, see that, which is great. Yeah. <laughs> Good. But no, I think we can pr- probably end it there. And thanks so much for your time today. Thank you. I know you've got loads going on. We really mm. appreciate it. No, it's, a, it's an absolute pleasure. And um, thanks for getting me involved. Brilliant. Not at all. Thanks. Lovely to meet you. Thanks. Thanks for listening to our Red Talks podcast. Please like, share and subscribe.